0: Welcome to Word from the Herd, produced and brought to you by the Kimmel Foundation for Recovering Leadership.
1: Welcome to Word from the Herd. I'm your host, Thomas Hill. And today I'm really excited to be with Myron Pope, Dr. Myron Pope, I may say, because he has a... Bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctorate in higher education administration from the University of Alabama, where he is currently serving. But he was in Oklahoma for a while. He served at the University of Central Oklahoma, including 14 years in vice presidential roles, and was also with the Oklahoma Department of Human Services as the chief of strategic engagement. He's done a lot of things in his life. Um, one of the things he's probably somewhat famous for is he was a walk on member of the Crimson Tide's 1992 National Championship football team, which I think is pretty impressive, and uh, has, has been a, just a, a voice of student success, diversity, retention, and globalization. He writes extensively, gives presentations and talks, um, has been in lots and lots of publications, has been involved in local, state, and national organizations, basically in lots of things related to education, family, and public services, and so just welcome Dr. Pope to Word from the Herd.
0: Thank you, Thomas. It's so wonderful to have an opportunity to be here. And I'm always impressed with you and your family and uh, all the great things that you do, not only for the community, but certainly for the folks that you have worked for you there at Kim Ray. So thank you for allowing me an opportunity to be a part of this.
1: Oh, Absolutely. And, and I didn't even pay you to say any of that stuff. So thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I always ask these these people with doctors and all that stuff in front of their name, I always ask it, can I just call you Myron? Will that work for today? Call me Myron. Uh, I'll
0: tell you a very quick story. I remember shortly after I received my doctorate, I had a chance to speak to a good friend of mine's uh, her class, uh, third grade class. So I go in and I do my speech and I'm supposed to be inspiring them. And immediately after I get done, one of the kids on the front row raises his hand and he says, uh, what kind of doctor are you? I said, uh, education doctor. He's like, oh, you're not a real doctor. So that kind of put things into perspective <laughs> for me for the rest of my life. So Myron is fine.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, Myron, the first question i like to ask our guests, um, which doesn't really have anything to do with the topic we're going to talk to you, but sometimes does, is tell me about the worst job you ever had.
0: Hmm. Well, I think the experience that stands out to me in that category is uh, one. Well, the thing is, I always tell are young people who I have around me, always make the best of every experience that you, uh, you, you engage in. And I think that even with some folks who have not been the greatest uh, supervisors, I've always been able to take something away from uh, the experiences that I've had with it. So there was uh, one particular situation where I had a um, supervisor who um, just was not, uh, did not create a very positive workplace uh, uh, environment. Uh, you know, I am a very collaborative person. I realize that, uh, you know, I've been to Kim Ray many, many, on many occasions. You've got so many different units, and all those units have to work together and uh, be able to be able to to achieve your ultimate goal. And likewise, the environments that I've been in, that's been the same thing. And uh, this person was very much all about everything had to flow through, um, through her, and from there, you know. All decisions had to come from her. And I realized that sometimes uh, as the person in control uh, at the top of the uh, pyramid, so to speak, you want to be in the know, but at the same time when you inhibit people's ability to be creative and uh, be able to collaborate, that inhibits your ability uh, as an organization to be um, successful. And I saw that and uh, time and time again, there were some bright shining stars throughout the organization, but they were held back because of that uh, mentality, because of their environment. And that's something that I try to avoid and um, just because again it's something I've learned from from that particular experience
1: that's awesome you know it's amazing to me as I talk to leaders uh, across a lot of different types of organizations and, ex- and experiences and backgrounds one of the things that seems to stand out is leaders learn from the things that they experience and so when we're put in a negative situation, um, we find something positive to, to create out of that, even if that is us saying, that's not how I'm going to lead or that's not the organization that I'm going to be a part of. So we're always, leaders are always looking for the positive and looking for a growth opportunity in everything they do. And that's exactly what I heard in, in that story. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. So Myron, as we talk about leadership and, the, and it, here at the Kimmel Foundation, our, our underlying belief system that, that we're trying to, to talk to people about is, is the belief that everyone, everyone is intrinsically and equally valuable. And that as leaders, it's our responsibility to demonstrate that and communicate that in everything that we do, in our policies, and our procedures, in the way we talk, and the way we treat people, in the way we act as leaders. That in everything that we do, people around us would know that, that we value them equally with ourselves, regardless of their title or, the, or their role. And one of the ways that we talk about doing that is respecting people by listening and giving people a voice that that we we will truly listen to what people have to say and listen to their experience. And and I know, given your background and all the different things that you've done, that you've got to have some good stories about uh, some times when that happened for you, Uh, when somebody did that made you feel valued in that way. And then how that impacted your life. Can you tell us a, a story or even a couple stories about that?
0: You know, I have, uh, I grew up in a household with my mom, my grandmother and my great grandmother. And, um, you know, many people will say, well, you know, statistically, I probably should not have made it in African-American male in a house with um, all women. Um, my grandmother and great-grandmother sharecroppers. My great-grandmother was born in 1891. My grandmother was born in 1908. Uh, the highest level of education was uh, sixth grade because, again, once they t- became of age, they had to get out and start working in the fields to, t- to contribute to their families. And My mom had a chance to go to college. She was an educator for 49 years in the state of Alabama, uh, teacher, counselor, assistant principal. But I just didn't have that uh, positive male role model around me. And the thing that I, I picked up on was that, you know, I, I love my community where I grew up, Sweetwater, Alabama. It's a very small community, and it's not like you can just call uh, your local Lowe's or local, you know, um, um, you know, plumber or whatever to come out and get things fixed. And people, you know, especially in the church itself, you know, there's always that con- always that conversation about taking care of widows and taking ca- taking care of orphans and. You know, that, that community really embraced that notion of taking care, taking care of one another. And there were some things that I saw early on uh, with people in that community who would come by, a guy would come by on his tractor every now and then, get on this tractor boy, and he would take me out. And I thought it was the worst thing in the world, going out, picking up hay. He would pay me 10 cents a bale, pick up hay. And from there, he would help show me how to fix the tractor. And then from there, there was another guy who would come by and pick me up. Um, mr joseph adams who, who would pick me up and uh, every now and then take me out in the fields and work and also he would pick me up to take me to church uh sunday school on sunday mornings and uh then there's another guy who you know each time he would come in to do plumbing at my uh uh my, my folks house they he would pull me in and show me how to do work and that really helped me to realize the value of hard work and more than anything how to use my hands to uh to to you know to Uh, Help others. And, you know, that value that was uh, uh, placed in me through those folks, they didn't have to do that. And I always talk about the importance of giving back to your community and making a difference and and hearing people's voices to hear where they are so that you can support them. Because that's what, um, that's the way I was brought up. And that's essentially, you know, who I am. And certainly, you know, we are the sum of all of our experiences. And certainly those types of experiences shaped who I am. And it's where I, it's who I am right now in terms of also my sense of community and valuing others and giving back.
1: You know, Myron, I, I heard you say something there that, that I think is is really interesting. Um, you know, you take, for example, the, the, the men who uh, poured into your life. Um, they didn't necessarily sit down with you as a little, as a young person and, and say, hey, myron you know what do you think you need in your life right now they were they were listening to the sum total of your condition you know your circumstances and your existence and realized the things that were missing in your life and then they stepped in to provide those so in a, in a lot of in a real very tangible way that is that is listening It's not necessarily listening to the words that someone's saying, but sometimes listening is just being empathetic, being able to put ourselves in someone else's position and say, you know, if I was in their position, what would I need? What would I want somebody to do for me? And then I then I heard you transition from that into the lesson that you took out, took away from that was giving back to the community. And and you said you know, knowing what people need or, or realizing what people need, thinking about what the people around you need. And that is, that is so, so important. Now, we need to be doing that in a community, but often as leaders, we, we, you know, we do our philanthropy over here, you know, over on the right side someplace. That's our philanthropy and that's our you know, work we do. And then we go to work and we fail to treat the people that are around us with the same respect and the, and the same empathy. And so what I heard you say is as a leader – and those men were leaders for you in your life at that time, right? They they were pr- providing a, the the support that a leader provides. Um, it, it requires us to be empathetic and and to be able to kind of put ourselves in someone's position. That that's that's phenomenal. What a great what a great story. I had um, a very go
0: ahead. I had a very recent situation um, arise here. Uh, I've only been here about five or six months, and you know, one of the things that I did in my previous roles uh, during the time I was in Oklahoma was we did a um, biannual um, uh, employee satisfaction survey. And from there, I remember the first time we did it, uh, people were like, are they trying to spy on us? <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing this because that's gonna be held against me. And I, I repeatedly said, I'm going to take what you are telling me about, again, we're, we might not be able to give raises every single year in higher education, uh, but we can do other things to show appreciation. We can do other things to reshape the environment that you're in. And, but but the first thing I need to hear is where are you? What do you appreciate? What's important to you? And by the time we did that the third time around, uh, people were so excited to engage in that process because they knew that their voices were being heard. and, And we brought them in, we did the survey, we came back and did focus groups and we heard them verbally and we wrote out and we provided them with a sense of what we heard in order to restructure the environment. And in terms of campus, you know, campus climate, in terms of what we we saw, in terms of employee satisfaction, it went up because we heard what they what they were saying to us, and we demonstrated to them that we took what they they were telling us and implemented it. And it's not only about hearing them; it's also about follow through, and that's always so very critical in uh, the work that we do.
1: Oh, that is that is certainly an important, you know, I can't tell you how many times I have seen the situation where. You know, somebody is asked or a group of people is asked, what do you need or what would make this better or how are we going to fix this? And they they very clearly uh, communicate what their needs are and, and what they would like to see in a situation. And then days and weeks and months go by and nothing happens. And it's very predictable that if that happens enough times, then when you ask the question, what do you need or what can I do for you, you're not going to get any response, or you're certainly not going to get an honest or an authentic response because they just give up. They they quit thinking that anything's gonna happen. That happens in our families. I mean that you know it's a it's a cliche deal, the the kid sitting on the porch waiting for his dad to come take him fishing and his dad doesn't show up and his dad doesn't show up and pretty soon he doesn't bother to sit on the porch anymore. We've all kind of seen that that meme or that or that deal. But unfortunately we 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 do that. We do that in our, you know, in our families. We do that in the people that are close to us. And then, as leaders, we tend to, um, if we're not careful, we might do that in our in our places where, where we're leading. And we really need to be careful about that. Yes. Tell us, tell me some other things. So that that's an ex- excellent example of something that's obviously very important to you as a way to demonstrate that you value the people that you serve and the people that are, that you work with. Tell me some other things that that you think are are really important for a leader to demonstrate value to the people around
0: them you ever have a chance to read the uh book Lincoln on leadership there's uh there's one chapter on management by walking around and uh, you know there's a lot to be said about leaders who take the time to get out and walk around and just get to know the people and uh, that's something that I've not had a chance to do in this COVID world Uh, we were pretty much shut down when I first uh, almost shut down when I first arrived here in uh, March April and we're slowly opening up and I'm having a chance to get out and connect with uh, employees, just to get to know them. And I'm essentially asking three questions, okay? I want to ask you about you and nothing more. Um, then we'll talk a little bit about the pro- professional side. I said, number one, tell me who you are. Um, you know, and from that, it's as once if someone starts talking to me a little bit in terms of work, I'm like, no, no. Tell me about you. What floats your boat, who you are, et cetera. Uh, and then from there I ask, tell me about your family. Because I believe it's so very important to be able to be in these environments. And again, we spend 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours, which is probably too much, uh, with the folks who are around us um, in the workplace. And consequently, you know, we spend more time with them than we do, do waking time with our families. And mm-hmm. so if that's the case, we've got to treat the folks who are around us who just just like, as they are with family. And I know some people, are a little bit more protective and that's not what they're looking for. And that's something that you you have to also be very aware of. But I asked that those first two questions, tell me who you are, tell me what's important to you and certainly, you know, those, and then, you know, tell me a little bit about you and your family and and your background. So, you know, those are the things that I start off with. And then from there, I, I, I very sincerely ask: tell me what you believe we need to do to make this a better place. We all know that we're here. I've worked most of my my professional career in higher education. And you know I understand that education is the great equalizer. It's an opportunity for people to move beyond where they are to a higher place. Um, you know, we've seen the stats. You know, everything from those folks who have higher levels of education are less likely to uh, live in poverty. They're less likely to be unemployed. Um, they, they will earn a higher level of, um, of pay annually, lifetime. All those things we know are, are are part of what we see with um, with you know higher levels of education. So, in my past role at the University of Central Oklahoma, we had a high number of first generation students, and you, I knew again based upon my experience with my grandmother and saw what as I saw what happened with my mother. You can change a person's life. You can turn their life around completely. And the people that I am committed to hiring, and I tell my people to hire their own people, but I, I tell them. Find people who are passionate about helping others, and you know helping people to achieve their goals. And likewise, again, as certainly as those folks come into to the higher education environment, is how do we help students to be successful? You know, they have to do their part, but at the same time, you need to go into your job on a daily basis and figure out how to remove barriers for for students. And you know, I'm not going to be in your area in, in admissions or financial aid. Yes, I serve as the vice president, but I'm not going to be in those areas on a daily basis. I want you to be empowered, give you enough, you know, the skills and and tools to be successful, to serve students where they are. I want to hear from you um, what you're seeing, because that way we can work together to improve the environment for our students. So when I ask people, what do you see? What, What are the barriers that are keeping students from being successful? I'm asking people in many cases who are on the front lines know exactly what's going on. So by empowering them, by asking them, we're truly impacting change versus Myron Hope trying to make a decision about what's going on at the admissions front desk when I'm not working there on a daily basis. So right. just sitting down and asking people where they are, what's going on, what are they, they seeing within the, the operation? That's so very critical in terms of uh, achieving success and, and certainly demonstrating to people that they are valued in terms of the work that they do.
1: That's exciting. You know, uh, you said two things there that I want to that I want to just reiterate, point out. Um, what I heard you say was you're you're leading the people uh, around you uh, so that they can help people be successful, which is really you leading them to be successful, also, right? I mean, so you guys are thinking in terms of let's make the people around us successful, and certainly when you're dealing with students, that's something that. Um, is fairly measurable, right? I mean, they, they either yes. do well each semester or don't. They stay connected. They do, you know, stay in their classes, graduation, you know, retention. Those are numbers that you can pick. It's a little more difficult uh, maybe for a leader who's leading an office group or a manufacturing group or, or something like that. You know, how do you determine success uh, for one of the people who's working with you? Um, but, but what you said was you learn about those people. You learn about what, what makes them tick, who they are, and, and ask just ask, what are your hopes and aspirations? What are your personal dreams? And then how can I as a leader and us as an organization help you achieve that? Uh, and there's a lot, lot of ways that we do that. Uh, and then I heard you talk about, uh, you specifically said, you know, we spend a lot of hours, maybe even the majority for some of us of our hours with the people that we work with. Um, and I've been talking about that for a long time. I banned the term work-life balance around me. Because that's a ridiculous thing to think about. How to, balancing work versus life? Work is life. When we're at work, we're alive, we're living. And if we're not doing life with the people around us, we're missing out on a huge part of of what is available to us. And the idea that a leader can't do life with the people that they're leading is ridiculous. Now, you can't necessarily be their best buddy and you know go out on Friday night and have drinks and listen to them talk about their spouse or something. That there's probably a different level of a relationship there but there's lots of things that we can do to be participating in each other's lives and to, and to just demonstrate that we care we care enough to be present we care enough to listen we care enough to ask to remember uh, to think about people and that changes the environment and and as leaders what i'm hearing you do and say you're saying it, but I know you're doing it. As leaders, we have to demonstrate that because if we don't do it, no one else will. You know, if we don't set the, the stage and set the environment, then no one else will be comfortable doing that either. So we kind of have to be the, be the ones that, that strike out there. So that's, that's outstanding. So Myron, um, for the people that don't know you well, uh, people who do know you well um, often describe you as inspiring, kind, hopeful, thoughtful, generous, Um, those kinds of words. So you're obviously making a difference in people's lives. Wherever you've been, uh, the, the, the result of you being there is people's lives are better, people's lives are changed. Talk to me a little bit, tell me a little bit about what you feel like needs to be true in your own life. What has to be true about Myron for Myron to be the kind of person, to be the kind of leader that can make that kind of difference in other people's lives?
0: Again, it goes back to to my experience. I know the the impact that people um, had on my life, my life who helped me to get to this point. Uh, people, there were so many people along the lines I mentioned the three gentlemen earlier, um, the young ladies at church, my my local church growing up, teachers, etc. People who have through the years seen something in me and uh, provided me with opportunities to um, to be successful and. Uh, It was not only about success in terms of myself, but at the same time, they saw me being successful within the organization or within the community that they were in. And so, you know, I think that um, as I work with people, as I think about, um, you know, those experiences, I I am constantly looking at people and and thinking about ways in which I can help them to get better. Um, You know, I have played sports all my life pretty much have been very competitive and you know many of the great coaches that i've been around is uh you know have always said "One every day you walk on this field you come out and get better and you think about it on a daily basis how am i going to get better how am i going to be able to impact people's lives on, on, on another level uh each day that i show up what can i do to help those my fellow man to improve their plight in life and so you know, I just, again, that competitive, uh, that competitive spirit, my sense of constantly trying to make a difference in people's lives is what um, I am really committed to doing. Um, president uh, Don Betts, our previous president at the University of Central Oklahoma, used to always say, leave the wood pile a little bit higher once you, once you leave. And uh, there's a lot to be said about that uh, analogy. It's about making sure that you make the place, uh, that you, the environment that you're in, the communities that you're in, You make it a better place you leave it in a better place than it was when you left it and that's what i have always committed myself to doing whether it's in terms of the place itself or with the people who are around me and uh personally you know i there's a lot to be said about self-care uh but at the same time it's uh you know making sure that i'm finding uh, balance and taking care of myself while at the same time making sure that i continue to think about ways in which i can impact people's lives in a positive way
1: you know, you said, um, you mentioned sports. Um, I played sports in high school. Um, I was a decent high school athlete, which means I, I had no chance of being a college athlete. And that was fine with me. Um, but I know you, you had a great career and, and did a lot of fantastic things. And sports is very competitive in terms of one team is taking the field in an attempt to defeat the other team. So at that, in that way, sports does lead to uh, kind of people competing against people. Um, but what I heard you say was that in your personal life and in your leadership, the competition is with your previous self, that you're competing with the, with the you of yesterday uh, so that you're better, faster, you know, whatever, you, whatever term you want to use, that, that, that you're jumping higher, running faster than the you of yesterday, as opposed to coming to work and competing against the other people on your team which is one of the things that, that we find in most toxic work environments is there's personal competition, competition. People are competing for their value and they have to defeat someone else. They have to take someone else out in order to move into their position. Whereas in, a, in an environment where everyone is equally and intrinsically valued, we allow our ideas to compete. We allow our processes and our strategies to compete. But we can put those out on the table and then all of us can walk around the table and, and participate. I might even decide to take my own idea out, right? You know, say, hey, now that I'm looking at that from a different viewpoint, maybe that's not the best idea. But whether my ideas are used or not, or your ideas are used or not, doesn't devalue me as an individual if we all agree that we're really just competing with our previous self. and I don't have to, somebody else has, doesn't have to be less for me to be more. Yes. Um, and I think that's a really critical thing for leaders to, to be aware of because often unknowingly we're devaluing the people around us to make sure that we stay positionally above everybody and if we're relying on positional power we're pretty weak leaders we really have to be uh, using relational power which is what i hear you saying saying over and over again yes you know, as I listen to you, uh, it makes me want to be on your team, by the way. I, I don't know how I would manage coming to the University of Alabama for that, but uh, I might be talked into that. I don't know. I'm a pretty diehard OSU fan, and they haven't offered me a job either. I
0: think, so I think you'd be a great recruiter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um, but I wanted to ask you uh, one more question before we run out of time today. Um you're dealing with young people all the time. So maybe this is something that you do on a regular basis, but if you had an opportunity to get a group of young emerging leaders together and, and speak into their lives, what, do, what would be the most important advice uh, that you would give young and emerging leaders? Hmm. We
0: have a program here, um, at the University of Alabama, and it's it's I I had my first exposure with the program just this past week. It's called the Bridge Program. It's a program for African American males um, who are typically first generation, low income, low income students. And likewise, we had a similar program at uh, UCO called Black Male Initiative. And as I was talking to them, I, I recall something that um, Coach Dean Dolan said to to the team constantly during the time I was playing in the early 90s, and I'm sure he said it beyond that, but, you know, he said that the, the great ones do little things. And here's a guy who had a chance to play for uh, Bear Bryant. He uh, coached under Bear Bryant. And from there, he coached under uh, Tom Landry, two of the, you know, greatest legends at both of those levels uh, ever. And, he was a part of some really dynamic teams and he talks about the way those folks, uh, those two individuals conduct themselves. In addition to many of the players, you know, you and I can remember, you know, the guys from the, the Cowboys teams of the seventies, uh, Tony Dorsett, Len Swan and, you know, Ed Tutal tall Jones and all those guys. And, uh, you know, he talked about how those guys did the little things. They were constantly making themselves better and, you know, I I really believe that it's not about, with so many young people right now, it's, uh, I have three kids, it's, uh, they want to start off on third base. They want to be able to come in and, uh, you know, drive the same car that I'm driving right now that I've been working for the last 30 years or live in the same house. And so that's great to have those aspirational goals, but it's also also important to realize that there is a, a process. There are steps that need to be taken and we've got to think about that on a daily basis you know we've got a long-term goal but we don't just wake up and realize that we're there when, I, when we played in the 92 national championship team we didn't just show up on january 1st 1993 uh, at the superdome ready to play miami it started the, the previous spring as soon as we left the previous season uh the 91 season we started working out day after day after day uh, doing a lot of grind work, lifting weights, running—things that, in some ways, seem like, "Why are we doing this?" And people bought into it. And you talked about it a few minutes ago—people, you know, really just buying into the program, thinking about what their role is in the process, creating themselves, their 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 um, their own personal, um, you know, ego, and making sure that they focus on the big picture. That's what it's about—doing those little things while at the same time, criticize yourself to realize that there's a bigger purpose out there for you. And so, you know, to get to that purpose, you've got to take those small baby steps. You're not going, it's not just going to come to you in one day. It's going to be something that you've got to plan and think about thoroughly, collaborate with the right people, have the right attitude and long-term you'll get there. But it's again, that mindset that the great ones do the little things is something that I would certainly emphasize to you. I always emphasize to young people, and certainly it's something I just mentioned just last week to the group of students who I spoke to.
1: That is phenomenal. You know, my grandfather, who founded Kimray in 1948, if he said this to me once, he probably said it to me a thousand times. He always, his little saying was, "If you mind the pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves." And it's <laughs> the exact same ideology, right? If you take That's- care, if you if you're if you're good at making sure little things get done, and if you're willing to do. The, the difficult small, what we often refer to as menial tasks you're not going to spend your whole life doing them but but you have to be comfortable doing anything that needs to be done and you need to be paying attention to everything that needs to be done um, and then big things don't become a problem you know we, we don't get blindsided and, and that's true in our personal lives it's true in our relationships. I don't know how many you know marriage, uh, you know, sermons I've heard or marriage seminars I've been to where they basically say, you know, if you take, if you take care of all the little things, then you don't have big problems. You know, people who come into counseling with huge problems have not done a whole bunch of little things. And that's true in leadership. When, when I see cultures and leaders that are significantly broken, that didn't just happen overnight, right? It's, it's, it's like a dam eroding, right? It was a little tiny trickle to begin with. And that went on for a long time without any care. And then eventually it becomes a catastrophic problem. And So if we take care of the little, that's so good. So, so good. Well, Myron, it has been fabulous talking to you. Um, I really appreciate you taking time to be with us. I wish you the best of everything at the University of Alabama. They're very, very lucky to have you. I'm a little... I'm, I'm, I know you started there. I know that's your home. I know that's where you came from. But we had you here in Oklahoma, and they stole you back. I'm, a, I'm still a little hurt about that. I, I'll get over it eventually, but... I really appreciate you taking time to be with us today and uh, just thank you so much.
0: You know, I, I really appreciate you saying that and I am uh, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't miss uh, Oklahoma. It's uh, certainly my second home and it was because of people like you. Um, it's a very special state, a very special group of people. Reminds me quite a bit of the people here, uh, people who are just um, have good hearts and they're thinking about taking care of one another. And so, Thank you for uh, your friendship and certainly for all that you do in terms of being a leader. And thank you for this opportunity.
1: Well, you always have a a home here. The door's always open. My door's always open. So if you can't find anybody else to take you in, just come see me, I'll take you in, so.
0: Sounds good, I'll I'll remember that. I Remember, I'm a big guy, I eat a lot, so. That's fine, that's fine.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, this has been Word From The Herd, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us today, and I hope you'll join us again next week.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Word from the Herd, a production of the Kimmel Foundation. For more information about the Kimmel Foundation, visit us at thekimmelfoundation.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at The KimmelFDN. Please share this podcast and join us again next week for another Word from the Herd.